From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Democratic challenger Tony Evers eked out a victory over Republican Governor Scott Walker by just over a percentage point in Tuesday's election. Governor Walker held off on conceding as he wanted to wait until the official canvas was completed. But then, yesterday afternoon, Walker did concede, saying he decided there weren't enough votes still in play to make a difference. So what do you think about all this? Why do you think uh, Governor Walker decided not to drag this out any further? The reality in Wisconsin is when we do recounts, for the most part, all you're doing is taking those optical span ballots and feeding them back to the machine and counting again. The exceptions that, though, are if you found, like, a reporting error from somebody, like a municipality, if you found a bag of ballots that hadn't been counted before to add to the the total, or if you went ward by ward and looked for every ballot that was rejected for some reason, it's just hard to overturn an election result, even even in a, a, a razor-thin race, even closer than this one. So the reality is there wasn't a good shot to overturn it, and if you go for a recount, if you contest the election, you know, you're looking at expense to taxpayers uh, or your campaign, uh, time for local workers is just not, not the best thing unless there's a really chance of finding some error or overturning the results. Now that Tony Evers has prevailed, what kind of gridlock will he face with both houses of the state legislature remaining Republican, and what does he have to do in order to get his agenda passed? Excellent question. I mean, I covered the Capitol when Democrat Jim Doyle was the governor and both houses were controlled by Republicans. Uh, you could see they find areas for compromise, but with the budget, for example, it became a contest of how the governor could use his partial veto authority to change things Republicans wanted. We'll see how Evers, you know, how he governs. Does he try to strike compromises with Republicans? To, do Republicans even want to pass anything on the Evers agenda, or are they going to try to resist those things, be a backstop to what Evers wants to do? It's all up in the air right now, and we'll see what kind of happens. Let's look at the results of the state legislature. Despite what happened in the governor's race, Republicans actually picked up a seat in the Assembly and one in the Senate. Democrats are crying uh, crying foul and are blaming it on redistricting, saying it's proof that the state's process of redrawing political boundaries every 10 years is rigged this time in favor of Republicans. Were you surprised by the results of the legislative races, and what do you think is the future of Wisconsin's gerrymandering lawsuit? That's an excellent question about the lawsuit. Um, I don't know if this will be more fodder for it or whatnot. In the state Senate, you know, a lot of the seats were kind of in Republican areas, so it wasn't the best map for Democrats to run on to begin with. But obviously they're going to make the argument that this is partially due to the way the lines were drawn. And honestly, the big picture is I don't know if that lawsuit will ever be successful especially with the reconfigured Supreme Court. But now that Tony Evers has won the governor's race, it all but guarantees or makes it very, very likely, I should say, that redistricting in 2021 will end up in the courts. Because in 2011, Republicans could redraw the maps where they wanted to because they had the Assembly, the Senate, and the governor's office. Evers, barring something unforeseen, will be governor through 2000, that 2021 process. Even if Republicans maintain both houses of legislature after the 2020 elections, unless they can agree on something, and I'm, people I talk to have a hard time seeing them agreeing on much right now, that means that they won't be able to pass a map. The courts will do it. And you would figure that the courts might be persuaded by Democratic arguments of making the map a little bit less partisan. 
So that should help Democrats in the long run. And finally, moving on to another closely watched race, Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin easily won another term over Republican challenger Leah Vukmir. Just like in the governor's race, the results of this election mirrored the results of recent Marquette polls. What factors put Baldwin over the top, and um, why couldn't Leah Vukmir gain much traction after she beat the well-financed Kevin Nicholson in the Republican primary and after the Republican Party of Wisconsin endorsed her so vigorously? No, it's a matter of resources. If you go back to right after the 2012 election, Tammy Baldwin raised or received more than $31 million over that period. Leah Vukmir, after getting in the race in September of 2017, raised $5 million and change. That right there tells you a huge story because Baldwin was able to use her financial resources, her, her superior financial resources, to run a consistent theme on TV that labeled Leah Vukmir as somebody who was beholden to insurance companies, who voted in their interest and not those of Wisconsin voters, and that ran this uh, pre-existing conditions issue over and over again. Now, obviously, Vukmir tried to push back on it, tried to run her own ads saying that uh, Baldwin wanted to destroy private health insurance. You know, but there just wasn't the same bully pulpit for Vukmir. She didn't have the same kind of megaphone that Baldwin did because of the money. And then if you look at the outside groups, they've spent against Tammy Baldwin going from the primary. Once primary finished up and Kevin Nicholson didn't win, a lot of those groups that had backed Nicholson didn't really play as heavily in Wisconsin. So if you don't have that independent help, you don't have the resources like Vukmir, it's hard to beat an incumbent like Baldwin who has all that money, and this race just never popped. It, 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 we were never really a focus nationally um, in the map, and you saw it and who came to play here and who didn't. Plus, Leah Vukmir hitched her wagon to President Trump, whereas other Republican candidates distanced themselves from him. How did that play with Wisconsin voters? That's a good question. You know, I mean... The president's numbers improved in the last Marquette poll slightly. So what does that mean? He drove a message on immigration the final days. What does that mean? Um, there are things like that that you know, it takes a while to figure out. Obviously, with as close as the governor's race was, there are people who have told me that Leah Vukmer should have hooked her wagon to, to Walker, run arm-in-arm with him. I don't know if that would make a difference because of the financial disparity, though, because... Baldwin just had such a bigger, much bigger war chest than what Vukmir had to run ads and to define her opponent. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.